Praise the Lord. This morning I woke up and uh, I was excited for, for church. I uh, didn't get to preach last week because of the hygiene drive and our missionary. And the Lord has been stirring a, a word from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, in my heart, and we're going to get there in just a minute. You can turn there. If you need a Bible, uh, you can grab one on the back uh, on the back tables. That'd be great so you can follow along in just a minute. But I woke up this morning and my son uh, had a fever and was coughing. He had a hard time falling asleep last night. And, uh, and so Jessica was supposed to play the keys this morning. And, and, uh, and we, we talked about it and, and uh, thankful that Reagan could fill in there and uh, ended up not being able to come into the office like I normally do real early and just to set my heart before the Lord. And so just a lot of distractions this morning. And uh, but I knew, I, I knew that God wanted to move. He was moving in my heart and wanted to move here uh, today. And, um, and I'm, I'm just real thankful uh, for the worship team. Thank you, Eric, uh, for uh, tarrying a little longer. Uh, Jess, Reagan came up to me after. She's like, we played three chords for 15 minutes, Dad. Uh, <laughs> And I said, yeah, but, and I was, you know, I'm having this vision of all these people. And, uh, and I said, yeah, but weren't there people here? She said, no, there was you and one other person or something. <laughs> but you guys were faithful, and I just want to say thanks. And, uh, but, but anyway, God, he, he's wanting to move not only in my heart, but in your heart today. And uh, I want you to be sensitive. And then even as we close today, I ask the worship team to stick around and uh, to, to just kind of create an atmosphere for us to respond to the Lord. And uh, I'm excited about that. Amen. My mom, she texted me this morning. She said, welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. And uh, I appreciate my mom. She prays for us. And uh, she, I texted her back and said, hey, pray. Logan's sick. I'm still not feeling great. And, uh, but, uh, but pray for us. And, and so she's, she's praying for us as well. And uh, knowing that God, he's wanting to move uh, this morning. At the end of the service, we'll, we'll receive an offering and, uh, and do some announcements and things like that. Uh, so so don't, don't think that we will forget that. Praise the Lord. We are, uh, it's kind of become a tradition the last several years to take the first Sundays of the year and to revisit why we exist, uh, to talk about mission and vision and values. And it's interesting, it's, it's kind of a natural time to look back and to look forward. And, and it's interesting that even in the name January, there's a connection between January and the Roman god Jadis. I don't know if you knew this, but the Roman god Jadis had two heads, one looking back and one looking forward. And uh, it's just a natural time for us to do that. Um, how many of you guys have thought a little bit about last year, maybe as you came into the new year, or you think about the new year ahead, 2013, and maybe set some goals or some resolutions? Anybody resolutions people? Yeah, a few of you. Uh, anybody goal-driven? Hopefully more of us goal-driven. Uh, that's, that's important. And uh, these things, and I, and I, I think about us as, as a church, we've got to continually keep these things in front of us. We want to be looking forward and talking about vision. And we talked about what, what vision is, is basically it's a painted picture of the future that produces passion inside of us. 
and whether that's individually or corporately as a church. And, uh, and even though it, it feels like sometimes as a leader, and maybe you've experienced this in your work or in your home, or you've said something so many times, you're like, certainly everybody understands and everybody uh, has got it now, right? But then you ask the question, hey, why do we exist? Or uh, what's our mission or vision? And you know, I'll ask different ones, and, and it'll be like, well... Yeah, we're here to glorify God, right? And uh, and I'm like, yeah, well, it's well. Usually our banners are up. Yeah, usually it's it's like, yeah, we are here. Hmm, why are we here, right? And it's like, okay, we need to continually keep it in front of us. It's like our own kids. We tell so, our kids so many times certain things, and we need to continually remind them. And so if it seems familiar what we're going to talk about this morning, that's great because I believe that God, when God brings clarity and certainty of vision within a body of believers or in an individual's life, everything changes for the better. And I really believe that uh, the core, that vision is what drives us, keeps us motivated. And, but what's so great about vision is that it inspires, but vision leaks. There's a great book, it's called Axioms, and uh, Bill Hybels writes in there, and he reminds pastors that people outside of, the, of ministry have real lives in other engagements. Um, they have other things to do, the real jobs, uh, challenging jobs, children to raise, snow to shovel sometimes, maybe not so much in Michigan yet, uh, tests to study for, bills to pay. And he kind of describes our lives like a, a bucket, and you can kind of see it in the picture here, that no matter how much vision you pour in it, we have holes and we leak. And I don't know if that relates to you and maybe parts of your life. You say, boy, I fill my, heart, my life with all these good things, and then all of a sudden I feel drained. And it's like, well, we have holes that kind of sap us uh, of these things. And uh, so we need to continually be pouring in vision. What's interesting about vision and mission and values, we kind of talk about those in some broad terms. And there's some, uh, some interesting ways that you can kind of look at that. It's kind of confusing sometimes thinking, all right, isn't vision and mission the same thing? Well, the way I understand it, and I think it's important for us to look at this, is that vision is what we want to be. In your bulletins, we put in a, uh, a little flyer that talks about our vision. We want to be a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. Amen? And then we look, and so that's what a vision is. Our mission is different, and our mission is who we are. And so you see that captured in our mission statement, that we are a spirit-filled church we are here to glorify God, committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. And our connection with God is what we're going to talk about this morning. And then we look at our values, and there, there's 12 values. that These are kind of things that we would die for. I, I love the illustration that I read this week. That values are really like river banks. And if you can imagine the Grand River that kind of comes through from the middle of the state and comes out in Grand Haven uh, there, and what happens is the river banks is what 
keeps the water flowing out to Lake Michigan. It gives it direction and purpose. And what's interesting is there are many, many rivers that are used and there is much power that comes from those because of the the river banks. And uh, you think of Niagara Falls and the power that that dam, that that, uh, falls and and, uh, other dams uh, do. They create all this power because they focus the direction of those values or those those uh, banks of the river, and what's great is that our vision and our mission, our value, these things they need heat. We got to continually keep them in front of us, and when we do, it helps us to understand who we are. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, it was interesting. I was I was looking at at these and, and and going through these, and I was like, man, that's the kind of church that I would like to be a part of. And then I got to pinch myself and say, hey, I am a part of a church like this, and uh, I'm thankful. For that, and I'm thankful for each of you guys here, and uh, that's important. You know, January, we kind of say it's a time to look back, um, but boy, if we look back for too long, we will end up staying in the back. We, it's dangerous to look back too long because you'll never become everything that God has for you. You will not be able to fulfill what God has. And uh, so this morning, our focus is not uh, so much to look back, but to say, God, where are you taking us? Where do you have us? And with that, I want to turn to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read a few verses here out of Philippians. This is Paul right into the Philippian church. And he's making a a plea, uh, and he's giving a case to, to love God, to be connected with God and keeping that as priority one. Listen to what he says. Finally, my brothers, in verse one, rejoice in the Lord. Amen? It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Kind of like we're revisiting vision this morning. It's okay. We're going to say it again. And it is a safeguard for you. Verse two, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else has reasons for, to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for the legalistic righteousness, he says, I'm faultless. He's got quite a pedigree is basically what he's saying. He's saying, look, I've got confidence. I could boast in all of these things, but, verse 7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And I love this next verse, how it relates to that last song we were saying, I want to know you more. I want to, listen to what Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Very passionate. He's saying, look, all this I consider wasted, 
but I want to know God and I want to know him more. And then look, listen to verse 12 and, uh, through 14. Not that I have obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lord, your word is light to us. It's powerful. God, I pray that it would speak to us that these few verses in Philippians would not just be words on a page, but Lord, that they would become uh, meat for us to chew on. God, I pray that you would challenge us in our own hearts and in our own lives, that uh, we would uh, discern and uh, we would take a, a good look at where we are today. And God, help us to be looking forward to everything you have for us. Help our connection with you to be red hot, to be strong. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. In these verses in Philippians, those 14 verses, there's a recipe for connecting with God. And the recipe has four ingredients, and they're they're these. I'll give them to you real quick. To flee the present, forget the past, focus on purpose, and then to finish the process. We're going to dive in and we're going to look at these verses. And I want to start by looking at uh, verses 12 and 13 and looking at that first one there, that if we are going to connect with God fully, we need to flee the present. Let's look at that. It says, not that I have obtained all of this, Paul says, or that I've already been made perfect. Paul is saying, look, I have not arrived. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What Paul is saying here, kind of like Michael W. Smith was on the radio this week, if you heard on, on um, uh, Focus on the Family, Michael W. Smith was saying, look, I've, I've achieved all these things in contemporary Christian music, but he's saying, look, I've got so much room to grow. I, it just was awesome. It was a great, great interview with Michael W. Smith. But Paul's saying the same thing. He's saying, look, I am not completely mature. I have plenty of room to grow. And you say, well, how do you grow? Well, you don't stay where you are. That's the important thing. And what's interesting, if, if anyone could have said, well, I'm going to stake my claim and I'm just going to stay here. Look at all that I've done. And Paul kind of describes it, all of the things that he could boast about. It would be Paul. You think about it, the revelation that he had, the brilliant mind that he had. His prayer life was impeccable. He was a missionary. He was a church planter. But in all of that, put all that aside, Paul says, look, I am mature enough to know that I am not mature enough. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down because you got to get your mind around that. The first time I was was reading that and, and I was saying, wait a second, am I mature enough to know that I'm not mature enough? To realize how immature I really am or how immature you really are and compared to eternity, it's hard to admit that. You say, well, I've been serving the Lord all these years and I've been growing. Well, that's great, but you have more growing to do. None of us have arrived. I would say none of us have even come close to how much God wants us to grow in Him. 
And Paul, he understood that. He was not arrogant. He needed to hunger and thirst for God just like we do. And so he emptied himself before God. What's hard for us is as believers, maybe if you've been raised in the church or you've been around the church circle for a, for a while, you can get comfortable. I can get comfortable. And we can say, well, this feels pretty good right, where, right here where I am. But you know what? If Paul were here this morning, I believe he'd be, out, he'd be taking notes. Not maybe because of what I'm saying, but, but what the Holy Spirit was saying through the preaching of the word, saying, hey, boy, this is, I need to take some notes here. Paul would say, look, uh, I need to be at Wednesday night prayer. I need to be a part of a connection group. I have not had enough. My kids need to be in the youth group. I need to be in a connecting point. I need all of these things because Paul, he understood that he had not arrived. He didn't have enough. He wanted more and more. The first ingredient to connecting with God was to flee the present. You can't stay where you are. So this morning, if you came and you're saying, boy, I'm feeling pretty good where I am spiritually, you know what? There's more. There's another hill to climb, another territory to take. God wants to take you to a new place. We got to flee the present. We got to be willing to grow. The second thing is we must forget the past. Now, we've talked a little bit about this in our forgiveness series back in uh, October and November about forgetting the past and, and, for, and um, living in forgiveness. But listen to what it says in verse 13 about forgetting the past. He says, look, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Now, this is one of the hardest things for some of us to do. But at some point, we must stop looking back. What's great is Paul uses some sports analogy here of competition and pressing on and reaching forward. He talks about the prize, the goal. Well, what's interesting is that if you're in a race, it's pretty much worthless where you've been. Would you agree? What's important in a race is where you are and where you're going. Winston Churchill, he understood that. He said, you cannot mingle your past with your future. So church, can I say this as a prophetic word? Stop fighting the past. Stop talking about your last marriage, your last relationship, your last job, the last church, the last this, the last that. Not that those things are trivial, but we need to live in forgiveness. We need to move past these things to put these things behind if we are going to move forward. And it's hard, and I understand that. You say, well, it's easy for Paul to write that, to forget what's behind. But let's think about it for a second. Some of the things that Paul had to live with and had to put behind him. Let's think about guilt for one. He was a murderer, don't forget. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a blasphemer. But did he let that, did he hold on to that? Did he keep on looking back? No, he moved forward. How about holding a grudge? You look at Paul's life and all that he suffered terribly. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was alienated. I believe that Paul had to overcome the pain of offense and hurt just like we do today. 
He had to forget what was behind. The bad, but I also want you to see that Paul, he had to forget all of his success as well. All of the good things as well. In uh, verses 4 through 6, he kind of describes all of these great things that he's done, his pedigree, so to speak. Many commentators and uh, believers, you may believe this as well, believe that his apostleship exceeded that of Peter and John. He was an incredible man of God. But what does he say about himself in Philippians 3.8? He says, I count it as rubbish. He counts it as garbage. Have any of you guys seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? You got a few guys? A few more first service maybe. Uh, what's interesting, if you've seen this, we got it for our kids for, uh, for Christmas. I don't know why you guys wanted it, but uh, it is, you know, the more you watch it, it's kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of a teenage movie. I don't know. But there's a character in it. His name is Uncle Rico. Do you guys remember Uncle Rico? And what was Uncle Rico's issue? He was always living in the past. He was always saying, oh, I could have gone all the way. And he's wearing the same clothes when he was in high school and it's 20 years later, talking about the good old days and how he got screwed and he didn't get to, to win the championship. But you know what? It's interesting that sometimes that's how we live our lives. Whether it's good or bad, we say, oh man, look at all the good things we've done. Hey, this is where we've been. And we kind of continue to highlight it like it means anything, right? But then we can also get caught up saying, boy, look at all the bad things that have happened. How could I ever move forward? Well, we've got to stop living in the past. We need to move forward. Paul says, What he wants, all that he wants, all that's worth anything is to know Jesus. We must get rid of the guilt. We must get rid of the shame of what we've done in the past, whether what we've, the relationships we've had, the mistakes we've made, maybe the divorce, maybe the failed grades, whatever it is, we must leave it all, failure and success in the past if we're going to move forward with God. Not that we forget, not like we have some amnesia, but what it is, is we no longer are influenced by our past. That's the key. Hebrews 10, 17 says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God does. That's what God's word, he promises us that he forgets it all. And so it doesn't matter what's happened. We are redeemed, and he wants us to move forward. It's kind of like this young lady that I called this week, and I got her answer machine, and she said, thank you for calling. I'm not available. I am making some changes in my life. And I thought, oh, that's good. She says, if I don't call you back, you are one of those changes. (laughs) And I haven't had a call back. But you know what? Maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to say, okay, what's holding us back and get rid of it and not address it anymore and move forward. Amen? Amen. So what's holding you back? We need to flee the present, forget the past, and I love the third ingredient is we need to focus on purpose. 
Verses 13 and 14 kind of capture this in parts. First, verse 13 says this, but one thing I do. Say that, one thing. One thing I do. I love it. And then in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. He uses this analogy, this one thing, this incredible concentration, this goal, this prize. In the, <coughs> in the Greek, that word goal is skopos, where we get the word telescope. And what does a telescope do? It takes what is far out there and it brings it in close so we can see it. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to focus on our purpose. And we may have this great vision, this great idea of what God has for us, and we need to bring it in focus, and we need to bring it in nice and close and to begin to believe and to begin to take some steps towards those things. We need to focus on prayer in our careers, in, our, in church, in ministry, reaching our city. But the ultimate goal the ultimate thing that we should be focusing on is Jesus. Anything else is rubbish. When you look up that word in the Greek, that word can also be referred to as dung or, you know what it is, poo. That everything else is worthless, rubbish, garbage. And so can I be as bold to say if your children... And making them happy, if that's your prize, if that's your goal, that's rubbish. If your job is your prize, it's rubbish. If your company that you own is rubbish, or is your prize, and you spend all your time and you're, you're late for meals and you miss prayer, it's all rubbish, it's meaningless. If your image is what you are going for, or if it's your girlfriend or your boyfriend, if that's your prize, it's all worthless. What God says to do is to seek Him first, and then He will give you your family, your ministry, your career, your school, your relationships. I've talked to some singles over the years that have wanted to be married so badly and I've told them over and over, and I've told some of you, look, if you want to be married, if that's your desire, or if you want to be remarried or whatever, seek God with everything. Seek Him first and let God bring everything else. Scopos on God. Connect with God. What happens for a lot of Christians is we have so many irons in the fire. We're notorious for that. We, we, we try all these different things and our focus on God gets diminished. It gets fuzzy. We're focusing on our marriage or our hobbies or we're focusing on work or this or that. And God says, no, keep me as a priority. Make sure your connection with me is red hot. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said, this one thing I do, not 40 things to dabble with. <laughs> And D.L. Moody, of course, focused on God and, uh, and was used by God powerfully. And so we got to flee the present, forget the past, focus on the present, or on, focus on purpose, and then we, the last thing is we want to finish the process. And the process is hard, like I said, but look at verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal. Why? To win the prize 
for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What we see Paul talking about here is his determination. It's not just inspiration or just working hard, perspiration. What did God want from Paul? God wanted everything from Paul. He wanted his life. And I would say that God wants your life just like he wanted Paul's. But so many times we get involved in life and we're blazing through life and we quit so easily. But God says, you know what? I want you to be determined. We need to be determined for God to finish the process. I felt in my studies this week that I wanted to encourage some that were older here that don't stop. Don't give up on your dream. My parents, they had a, when they retired, uh, my dad retired at 37 and, or, or at 47 and, uh, and they've been, uh, they could have been just living, you know, whatever, but they decided, they said, look, we're not retiring, we are refiring. <laughs> and they've been involved in ministry. And I just want to say, don't quit. When I was a kid, I had a little plaque in my room, and maybe you've seen one like it uh, back in the 70s. I think they were popular. Um, it was a little, little guy with a horse, and it was kind of knitted together. I don't know if my mom made it. I still got it. It's in our basement. And um, it says, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. You remember some of those? I see some heads nodding. And that's the reality. We're not finished, but we are called to finish the race to make a difference. Paul was determined. But it's interesting, when you look at Paul's life, what did his determination get him? He got stoned, got robbed, experienced famine and torture. He was persecuted. And ultimately, you know how he died? He lost his head for the sake of Christ. Some people would look at that and say, he was a fool. Man, he missed it. But you know what, Paul? He didn't lose, not for a second. He was steadfast. He was more than a conqueror through all of those things. You know what? We don't want to give up. We want to be determined. I want you to be determined. I want us as a body of believers to be determined, saying, God, we know where you're taking us. We're going to make it there with your help. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your career. Don't give up on your degree. Don't give up on God. Remember what Colossians 1.27 says, that when Christ is in you, there's hope of glory. And hope is a guarantee. His glory will be seen through you. So this morning, I want us to really take some time and say, okay, Holy Spirit, how are you speaking to me? Whether you're a young man or an old man, whether you're a mom or a dad, a single, whether you're a businessman or you're a student, where is your scopos, your goal, your prize? What is it? And where is God speaking to you for 2013 and beyond? Do you need to say like Paul would have said, I'm mature enough to know that I'm not mature enough. I have not arrived. Or are you at the place where you're saying, you know what? It's time to leave what's in the past in the past. What I believe God is calling us to do as a body, 
but also individually, is to surrender. We must leave these things in the past and to face our present, striving for the goal that God has before us. Amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask that the worship team would come. We're going to take an offering here. I'm not sure if there's some guys that can help me with that um, or not. Our second, our ushers normally stay through and then count. Uh, Pete, if you can help me with that, that'd be great. There we go. What we're going to do is we're going to take a, take a moment, we're going to give, and then I want us to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And, um, and there's a song that was on my heart uh, all week long, and I went camping these uh, last couple days, and uh, I was even singing it while I was out in the woods uh, hiking underneath my breath. The song is... I surrender all. It's an old song. It's not the most glamorous, but the words of the song are really powerful. And uh, and so I'm going to ask that the ushers would come to receive the morning offering. And uh, and as we are prepared to give uh, this morning, as you give, um, I want us to just sing through this song. And Eric, thank you. And just lead us through. and, uh, And then we'll come back for some response to what God is calling us to do. Amen? Amen. Bob, why don't you lead us in prayer? Yes, Lord. God bless you as you give.
surrender your heart to the Lord. I'm just going to ask that you would uh, pray a prayer with me in just a moment. Uh, A prayer that will, not the words of it, that they don't save you, but it's a magical prayer because if you believe it in your heart, you you go from a life separated from God to a full connection with God. And if you desire that this morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you're away from Jesus and would like to surrender your heart to the Lord this morning, would you just be as bold to raise your hand and we want to pray with you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you forward, uh, single you out. But anyone here saying, boy, that's me. Yeah. Anyone else? Couple did first service. Lady here, anyone else wanting to just say, yep, that's me. Yeah. All right. Would you encourage this young lady here, and uh, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Make me clean. I believe that you died and you rose again. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's the first step, isn't it? To surrender our hearts to the Lord. And the, pr- the promise that God gives us is that at the moment that we do that, there's a full connection that we once were lost, but now we're found. And that is so exciting. And I'm so excited for that we would be a place where people can find and surrender themselves to the Lord. But this morning, more than that, I believe that God is wanting to take us to another level, individually and corporately. And I want you, we've left lots of room here at the end of the service to respond to the Lord and just find ourselves at the the feet of the Father. I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to look at these verses in Philippians and maybe concentrate on verse 10 of chapter 3. 
And in that, I want us to respond and to meditate on the fact that Paul said, I want to know Christ. Maybe you'd reflect on the part that says, look, I consider everything else rubbish. And not that I've already obtained it, but I press on. I press forward to what God has called me to. And this morning, the the call, the altar call, is just a call to be in God's presence, to be what Paul was saying, to be striving, to press toward the goal, to win the prize. And remember the prize, the scopos, what we're to be to be aiming for is Jesus. If that's your heart, I'm gonna ask that you just slip out, grab a Bible, there's Bibles in the back, find a place, and let's worship the Lord here for a few moments. The worship team will lead us, and let's find ourselves in God's word, and let's find ourselves at his feet this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lead us, Eric. Praise the Lord.